Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. So about 20, 30 years ago or so, late 80s, early 90s, um, a cultural phenomenon arose. And um, it was not planned necessarily, and there weren't a group of people that kind of put this whole thing together. But this, this thing sprouted up. There was a group of people, a very powerful group of people. They were known by the sweaters tied around their necks and, and moose hair. And they wore Gucci loafers and, and uh, Rolex watches. Their favorite car was the Beamer. And, um, and their favorite beverage was white wine with a little brie cheese. And those people were called yuppies. Yeah, you remember those. For those of you who weren't alive then, it's, it's long gone, thank God. Um, <clears throat> But yeah, the, anybody remember what yuppie stood for? Why, where the yup from yuppies came from? Do you know what it stood for? Remember? Young, upwardly mobile professional. Yeah, it was all about going up, moving up the corporate ladder, working hard, chasing the American dream, and collecting all the toys to show you that you've made it. And, uh, and, it just, and there, was, there was a belief that there was nowhere to go but up. And people devoted their time and their energies and all that they could to just make it in this world and make that success and seal that deal and collect those toys and all of those things because we never thought there would be a down. And then the down came. (laughs) This morning I want to talk not about being upwardly mobile, but downwardly mobile. And not because an economy goes in the tank, but choosing a downward path. And it's part of the series we've called Living Beyond Yourself, Living Generous Lives. And, it, and it's a specific choice that we make to not collect all the toys and not to just try to make our success in this world, but choosing rather, instead of the upward path, choosing the downward path. And the example and, the, and, and our um, <clears throat> model for all of this is Jesus Christ. We are Christ's followers, and He is our ultimate uh, model in all of this. So if you want to turn in your Bibles... To Philippians chapter 2. And if you don't have one, feel free to use one in the seats next to you. Because what we're going to talk about is this whole idea of downward mobility. And it goes back to what Paul wrote to the Philippian church. We're going to start in chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, he writes, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded having that same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar with the Bible, particularly the New Testament, 
most of our New Testament is actually composed of letters that the Apostle Paul wrote to churches. And this letter he wrote to a church in a city called Philippi. Philippi was an was a economic hub. It was very strategically placed in, in the trade routes. It was, a, it, was a, it was a place of commerce. It was commerce. It was a upwardly mobile society of its time. And it's to these people, these yuppies of their day, that Paul writes these words. And he says, don't choose the upward path. Instead, model yourself after our Lord Jesus Christ and choose the downward path. Because in that is true greatness. And he was echoing the words of Jesus himself. who said that the greatest, of the, these, um, the greatest among you is the one who is the servant of all. Now that takes some adjusting for all of us. And Paul gives some instruction on what that should look like. And so this morning we're going to touch on some key um, principles, key activities, key things that you can adopt that will help you step down that path to greatness. We're going to start with the very first one. And this is true of every aspect of generous living. It is simply this. You keep God's grace as your constant motivation. And it's the grace of God that is our motivation in all of this generous living. Now, there's a lot of other motivations we could have. We could be, we could be motivated to live generously out of the sense of reward that we get out of it. We, we could act and, and behave generously because of... Um, the acceptance that we get by other people and the admiration that we might get from other people. Um, we might do it out of a sense of obligation or duty. That's a good motivator. And of course, if all else fails, there's always that good old standby of motivators, of all motivators, guilt. <laughs> Paul uses none of those. He says, no, no, your, your motivation in this whole idea of generous living, of giving, not just of your treasure, but of your time and of your talents a lifestyle of generosity, the motivation that keeps that going is grace. He says it's the only true and lasting motivation. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, if you've experienced any of these things to any degree at all because of God's work in your life, so that's your motive. Now, for the first couple of weeks in this, we talk a lot about your treasure um, and money and being generous with your money, generous with your stuff, generous with your treasure, because Jesus said, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is too. So that was a starting place. But this morning, we're talking about more than just treasure. We're talking about time, talking about a lifestyle of generosity, because this isn't just something you do every once in a while. This is a whole different mindset. And the motivation is what Christ has done for us. And if any of us in this room, and the assumption is that we all have, because he's speaking to us too. If you've had any of these experiences because of your relationship with Christ, says, that's your motivation. That's why we do what we do. And that's why last Sunday, Pastor Larry talked so much about the importance of having an attitude of gratitude. That we need to make our prayers prayers of gratitude because we forget how much Christ has done for us. And taking time to count our blessings, taking time to actually thank God, taking time to specifically reorder our prayers instead of gimme, 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 saying, God, thank you, thank you, thank you. It, it reminds us. It reminds us of how truly blessed and cared for we are by this generous God and His generous love and grace. Because that's our motivation. The source of grace is Jesus Christ. And that's why Christ followers ought to be the most generous people there are. 
because we've experienced the greatest generous gift that has ever been given. And that's our motivation. And it's the only thing that can truly transform our way of thinking. He goes on, he says, so if you've experienced any of these things, then, you know, it's one of those if-then things, okay? If any of these things, then do this. Make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. What he is saying is that if you've experienced God's grace, this is not something that you keep to yourself. Any of us who've experienced, we love to talk about God's grace and how, how I couldn't earn this, but, you know, and he gave it to me as a gift and I, I needed forgiveness and I couldn't forgive myself and I couldn't go back and undo anything. I love to talk about God's grace when it applies to me. But he says, no, 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 no. Not just you. Grace is not a gift that you keep to yourself. Grace is a gift that you pass on in every way you can. It's our motivation. And it's got to be the motivation for any act of generosity. The second thing is then learn to pay more attention to others than to yourself. That seems pretty straightforward and pretty simple, but we need reminding. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Now, there are all kinds of people in this world. There are morning people and there are night people. You are the night people. Because you came to the 11 o'clock service. The group that was here earlier, they were morning people, okay? There are morning people, there are night people. There are coffee people, and there are tea people. There are dog people, and there are cat people. And there are sane people. <laughs> you know, it, there's all these differences. There are some people who prefer swimming pools. Some people prefer the beach. There are some people that know the extreme euphoria and joy that comes from sailing. (laughs) And there are those that drive those stinky, loud, noisy, polluting stink pots of powerboats. different people. We got all kinds of different hobbies, all kinds of different interests, but there is one interest that we all have in common, every one of us in this room, and it is called self-interest. Because that's what usually drives us. And it starts from the moment that we are born. Because the very first thing that comes out of our mouths is a wail, (laughs) is a cry. And we learn through the rest of our lives, if we wail louder and cry louder, we get what we want. And so we do a lot of wailing and we do a lot of crying. And we find ways to meet our needs. And the problem is we become so consumed with self-interest, we don't have time for the interests of other people. But Paul says, change that thinking. Instead, intentionally refocus. Rather, he says, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but also each of you to the interests of the others. We are born with this innate need for self-protection and self-interest, and a little bit of self-promotion. But what we begins as, as, a, as a survival instinct in all of us quickly becomes the revealer of our fallen human nature. And you can't be full of yourself and be attentive to others at the same time. You have to pay attention to others more than to yourself. Because there's this natural side of us that is all about me. Bill Hybels puts it this way. He says, when push comes to shove, we are more than willing to push and shove. (laughs) And that's pretty true. That's pretty true. That's kind of the fallen part of our nature. Paul says, you're better than that. 
You're better than that. God created you better than that. But you got to refocus. Take your eyes off yourself. Start paying attention to the needs of the people around you. In humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests. Choose the path of humility. Value others above yourself. Literally, that could be translated. It, it conveys this idea of putting someone else at the front of the line ahead of you. Have you ever gone to the grocery store and only had to run in and pick up a couple of quick items, but of course, the 15 items or less line is like, you know, the longest line in the store. And so you choose instead to go to one line because there's only one person in front of you. They got the full grocery cart and they see you with your two little items and they say, oh, go ahead. Why don't you go ahead after me? I got a lot of stuff. You only got two things. Anybody ever have that happen? Oh, okay. That's, that's the idea. That's kind of what he's saying. He said, let somebody else go first. Put somebody else in front of the line in front of you. A couple years ago, we did this thing. Um, we taught everybody, just for a week, just to learn this one phrase, a little two-word phrase, after you. Maybe the two hardest words in the English language. So this is a refresher course this morning. So we're all going to learn to say this together. Ready? One, two, three. After you. So when you are in the grocery store line and there is somebody that comes in behind you, instead of getting up to the front of the line and getting your stuff taken care of, you're going to actually stop, turn around to the person behind you, and you're going to say, after you. Very good. And when you pull into the coffee place in the morning and you pull in your car at the same time somebody else pulls in their car in this very subtle race to the door <laughs> that you're trying to look like you're not hurrying to the door to get there first. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Okay? You're going to get there first, but what you're going to do is you're going to open the door for them and you're going to say, after you. Because what Paul said, it's in those little things that you learn, this attitude. You learn to put others ahead of yourself. If you wait for the big opportunities, you will miss them because that is not where your mind goes. So start training your mind in a different way. Let others go ahead of you. Give others preferential treatment. When you do that, it changes your perspective. Changes the way that you think. It's choosing humility. Humility is simply this. Humility is simply realizing that, that in God's eyes, we are all equal. And no one is better than another. And I'm not any better than you, and you are no better than me. We are all equally flawed, but we are all equally loved. Humility is just simply saying, other people matter too. Third thing you can do, this is very simple. Just make yourself available. Just make yourself available. That was Jesus' mindset. What he did was he went out of his way to make himself available. He came and took on human form. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, he says, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Some of your translations might say something to be grasped. And there's a little bit of difficulty translating this word because it's the only time that our Bible, our New Testament was originally written in the Greek language, okay? And so what we have are translations of that. And, and this word right there, it's the only time that word is used in the whole New Testament. And so you, they can't, the translators couldn't go to other places where it's used to kind of get a sense of what it's all about. So they had to find other, other, um, other sources to kind of get a handle of it. But, so it's not a real clear, clearly... Um, translated word but it carries with it this idea of clutching or clinging or grasping or holding on to it, it has it actually has this idea of letting go 
of what is rightfully yours. And I love the translation that we used this morning. That equality with God is something to be used to his own advantage. In other words, what he says is he had every right to hold on to that. But he didn't use it to his own advantage. Instead, he let it go. He didn't exploit the power that he had. Instead, he came to us. He came and lived life on our level. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. When we couldn't reach up to him, he reached down to us. And he lived among us so he could look us in the eye and see us face to face and show us what this life is all about. And he used his power to help the powerless. And he gave and loved the loveless. And he served those who had no way of possibly ever paying him back. He made himself available. How do we do that? What are some ways that we can do that? Well, in your community groups this week, you're going to talk a little bit more about that. Investigate some possibilities. Maybe share some ideas. Practical ways that you can do it. But let me give you just two things real quick. Time and attention. That's really what this is all about. Time and attention. It is the greatest expression of love we have. And it's got to be both. You can't give time with no attention. And you can't give attention with no time. Because sometimes people need more than just two minutes of your attention. And you can give them some attention for a while and listen to what's going on in their life and just say, well, I'll pray for you and move on. And, but what they need you is to come alongside and be with them through that season of their life. They need your time. They need you to be generous with your own time. And then also generous with your attention. Because you can give people your time but not be attentive to them. One of my pet peeves is to be in a conversation with somebody who is constantly checking their cell phone. I hate that. Anybody, any amens on that one? You know, it just drives me crazy. I'm in a conversation face-to-face, talking with somebody, and they're constantly, oh, oh, you know, it, it vibrated. I got to check. Somebody might be texting me. I got I to know what somebody else can't miss out. It's like, no, we're talking here. It drives me crazy because I might have their time, but I don't have their attention. Last week, we went to um, Disneyland. We went to Disneyland with our daughter, son-in-law, and our three-year-old granddaughter. Actually, she was two years old. A week away from her third birthday, that's why we went, because she was free. And it, <laughs> so I could be more generous with others. Um, yeah, right. Um, but it, and it's been a long time since I've gone to Disneyland and looked at Disneyland through a three-year-old's eyes, okay? But um, we went on, we went, of course, we spent most of our time in Fantasyland. And we went on multiple times. I've got that small world stuck in my head again for another 10 years. Um, but we were in line in one of, these, in one of the lines, and, and we're in line, and, and there was in front of us, um, there was a little boy named Teddy. And I know his name because his mom was constantly yelling at him. And the reason she was yelling at him is because Teddy was climbing all over the place. He was swinging on the ropes and the chain, and he was bouncing off of people, and he was climbing the little, you know, decorations that were there and all this stuff. And he was just, and she was constantly calling him, calling Teddy, Teddy, stop that. Teddy, come here. But the thing was, the whole time she's on her cell phone. And I could hear her conversation. It was a business call. She has taken her children to the happiest place on earth. And she's got no attention for them. She's given them the time, but she's spending her whole time talking on the cell phone. Love takes both. 
a trip to Disneyland is meaningless if you're not there with them completely. And that is true about how we interact and how we are generous with our time with other people. They need both time and attention. Time may be our most precious commodity in this world. And it costs us something. And people are more willing to spend money to do things, have people do things for them because they don't have the time. Because our time is more precious to us than our money. And we can sometimes be generous with our money, but not generous with our time. And when we're generous with our time, generous with our attention as well. Fourth thing, be faithful to the task. Be faithful to the task. Because sometimes the demands of time and attention, like I said, they're going to be going through a season of life. And and they don't need you to bail on them halfway through. They need someone who will be there for them and who will walk with them through that difficult period of their life. And they need someone to walk them all the way through. So don't just give a little time and a little attention. Invest. Invest. It's over the long haul. Look at Jesus' example. Being found in appearance as a man, which was humbling enough, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. The more that he gave up, the more that was needed for him to give up because our need was great. And if he had only done half the job, we would still be stuck in our sin. And he had every opportunity to bail. In fact, the night he was arrested, he prayed. He was wrestling with this whole thing. Do I have to see this through to the end? If there's any way possible, Father, let this cup pass from me. But not my will. Yours be done. He finished the task. No matter what it cost him, he followed it through to the end. And that's one of the things about generous living is you've got to be in it for the long haul. This isn't just for a a moment. This isn't just for a week or two. This isn't just about an eight-week series. This is about changing our lives, changing our mentality, seeing it through to the end, finishing the task, keeping the promises, fulfilling the commitments. Takes all of those. And, by the way, he goes on, and he says, do everything without grumbling or arguing. How you doing in that one? You know, I'll do it. But... He says, no, 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 no. No, this is your heart here. And it's the same thing when, when, Paul talked, when, when Jesus talked about God loves a cheerful giver. He says it's generosity with cheer, with joy. And the same thing with your time. Be generous with your time, but do it without grumbling, complaining, or arguing. Finish the task and do it in the right spirit. And lastly, trust God with the outcomes. Trust God with the outcomes. Because you may not always see the results of your generosity. In fact, there are some times you will never see. You will never know what happened because you were generous with your time. And in fact, I can tell you this because I know this from experience. There will be times when you will give and give and give. And you will be there for somebody for so much and all the way through the thing. And it will not be enough. And they will resent you because you didn't do everything that they needed you to do or everything they asked you to do. And they will out for all that you poured out. You go, look, after all I've done for you, that's how you'll feel. 
Because even though all that you did and all that you gave, it's not going to be enough. And they're going to resent you for what you didn't do. Not, it doesn't matter all that you did do. Can you do that? And leave the results up to God? That's tough. And you may become jaded and you may become cynical. And you may even ask yourself sometimes, so why do you even bother? Trust God with the outcomes. He says, therefore, because Jesus took this downward path, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There is a great freedom and a great joy that comes with letting go of the outcomes. With being able to do it, not out of obligation, not out of guilt, not even for the reward that you might feel, but just doing it because it's the character of Christ that I want in my own life. And then trust God with the results. The greatest, most generous gift of time and energy was given by Jesus Christ on the cross. And because he finished that task and carried it through to the very end, the greatest and most generous gift that was ever given has now resulted in him being to the greatest and highest place of honor. Because he chose the downward path. Now, I can tell you, you're not going to get the reward Jesus got. Let's let's be honest about this. But can you just trust God that he will take care of you? And you don't have to go and do it on your own. And you don't have to make sure that you get the attention. Just trust God for the results. But Jesus did. God honored him, blessed him, and used his obedience and his generosity to save the world. And we are recipients of that grace. So Paul says, so choose a little downward mobility and see what God will do with it. Would you bow your heads? Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Benicia, California.